how that song came about, uh, what it was all about, of course, at Amazing Grace. And today, we want to take a look at, at, at yet another hymn, a powerful hymn, and we'll, we'll sing that at the end this morning. And um, <clears throat> what a friend we have in Jesus. But I entitled the message this morning, Is Jesus My Friend? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, okay? Is Jesus my friend? Since the 1950s, a cartoon known as Peanuts has brought laughter and wisdom to millions who read the newspaper. In the beginning, Charlie Brown was the only character. I didn't realize that. However, soon the cartoonist, Charles Schultz, began to add other people to the cartoon. And I do remember reading that, that comic. I don't read comics much anymore because I don't get the paper, but I, I do remember reading those and, and, and the conversations that, that Charlie Brown would have with Lucy, and you may have read those before. It goes on to say, one cartoon pictures them sitting together in a chair watching TV as the announcer says, all is right with the world. Charlie turns to Lucy to ask what that means. She replied, all is right with the world when Lucy's here. I, I thought about that. What a better example of a friend. And friendship. I thought about this. If we were to ask people at random who their closest friend is, how many times would that person tell us Jesus is, our, is their closest friend? <clears throat> would it surprise you, church, to know that we were created to have a relationship with Jesus? Will that surprise you? You and I, each one of us as God's children, were made for friendship with God. You see, because God just doesn't want us to know about Him. But what does He want? He wants us to know Him. To really, really know him and to experience his friendship. Jonathan Edwards says this, and I quote, Let it be our first love to enter into an everlasting friendship with Christ that never shall be broken. May we never ever forget that God's only begotten son get this wants to have a two-way conversation with you and with me <clears throat> what a friend we have in jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to god in prayer let's look at our text this morning John chapter 15, very familiar verses to us. But notice in these verses we'll find the word friend or friends. So 
So if you like to mark in your Bible, uh, you can underline friends there. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 13. Jesus speaking here. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. In verse 16, we'll look at it at the conclusion of the message. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you the word of the Lord. Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus, the Christ himself, said these very words. And Heavenly Father, if your Son said it, Lord, we must agree with it. Not only agree with it, but apply it to our lives. Make it real and evident in our lives. So thank you for this scripture. We pray in your name. Amen. On your handout, there is a capital Q on there. That stands for a question. Here's the question, and you have it. Who is called friend by Jesus? And the answer is quite simple. Anyone, man, woman, boy, or girl, who has a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture that I just read a few moments ago, verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Church, we have the greatest friend imaginable. Jesus himself. What better friend do we need? Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. What was Jesus proving to his followers? That he was their friend. He wanted them to see, he wants us to see the cross, and when we see that cross, think, think along these lines. I understand now. He substituted himself for me under God's wrath, and he did it because he views me as his friend. A couple of friend facts is what I call them. One is this, that we have the privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. When God is our friend, when he knows us as his son or daughter. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. What does that mean? That means to carry everything to God in prayer. 
Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Another friendly fact there as believers, because Jesus is our friend, because he is eternal, he becomes our refuge. He becomes our shield. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. There are many, but let me just share two with us this morning. Two ways we will benefit by taking everything to God in prayer. And could I ask us now, do we, do we do that? Do we take everything to God in prayer? First, we'll find that Jesus will bear all our sins and our griefs. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Keeping in mind, he will bear all our sins and our griefs our weariness, our sorrows. Verse 28 of Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? He, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those, this famous verse, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord, what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Flip over a few chapters to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs not only that church and carried our sorrows verse 5 he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities so he'll bear all our sins and griefs something else he'll do he'll get us through those trials those temptations those troubles that discouragement. Let me ask you, just because we take everything to God in prayer, does that exempt us from trials and tribulations and troubles and discouragement? Absolutely not. But I don't know about you, it sure makes it a lot easier when we know we have the creator of the universe pulling for us. On our side, in our court, if you will. We're in a win-win situation. Jesus says in John 14, 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. That very same profound love for his disciples back then is for us today. It's for you and for me today. We can rest assured that Jesus will never abandon us. 
He will never leave us as orphans, if you will, even in our times of loss and sorrow and pain and brokenness. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 12. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There we go. Promise to those who love him, to those who are his children. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overcome you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, there it is, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from, from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations. So now, how can we cultivate this relationship? How, how can we cultivate this friendship? There are many ways. Let me leave us with three. One way is this, through expanding our vision of Jesus. I think sometimes we try to, we, we try to keep Jesus in, in a little bottle like this, like this water is. Eight fluid ounces of Jesus. That's all we get. No. We get all that we need. Plus some. You see, Jesus is the greatest friend to great sinners. The greatest friend to great sinners. And he draws near to us in times of suffering. And remains committed to us even when, guess what? Even when we aren't committed to him. He's committed to us. Another way is through communion. And I'm not talking about the Lord's table. I'm talking about through conversation. What, what does that mean? When, when we read God's Word and, and receive God's Word and remember God's Word, we can hear Him calling us His friend. And when we pray and thank Him, when we confess to Him our sins, and when we share our burdens with Him, all throughout the day, relating to him as friend. It's something special when you call someone your friend. And the third way is through obedience. Obedience. You know, I was thinking about this text this morning, all through this week. And let's look at it once again as we close this morning what does obedience do in our friendship with Christ what, what does it do 
Think about that. Does it earn friendship? No, it proves friendship. This morning, you're here today because you're saying, not to me or to the elders or to the deacons, you're saying to God that you wanted to be here. You are my friend. I want to come and visit with you among other of your friends. We're going to tell you this. Friendship with Christ is conditional. Not everybody is called friend. Oh, preacher, I don't know about that. I think, I think everybody's a friend of God. Well, Let's look at it as we close. Back to verse 14. You are, just Jesus speaking, it's not Mike Louder speaking. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And we could spend a lifetime talking about everything he commands us to do. If you do everything, whatever I command you. So do you see it's conditional if we obey and then I love verse 16. Because we're his friends, because we have a personal relationship with Christ, because we know when we breathe our last breath that we'll be ushered into the presence of God, this, before, before all that happens, this is what we need to be doing. He says, Jesus says, that you should go and bear much fruit. Don't rot on the vine. Go and bear much fruit. Let me, let me close with this. What a friend we have in Jesus. Joseph Scriven watched in shock as the body of his fiancée was pulled from the lake. Their wedding had been planned for the next day. Reeling from the tragedy, he made up his mind to immigrate to America. Packing up his belongings in Dublin, Ireland, he sailed for Canada, leaving his mother behind. He was 25 years old. Ten years later, in 1855, he received word that his mother was facing a crisis. Joseph wrote this poem and sent it to her. Miss Scriven evidently gave a copy to a friend who had it published anonymously, and it quickly became a popular hymn, though no one knew who had written it. Meanwhile, Joseph fell in love again. But tragedy struck a second time when his bride, Eliza Catherine Rock, con uh, contracted tuberculosis and died in 1860 before their wedding date and before their wedding could take place. To escape his sorrow, Joseph poured himself into ministry, doing charity work for the Plymouth Brethren and preaching among the Baptists. He lived a simple, obscure life in Port Hope, Canada, cutting firewood for widows, giving away his clothes and money to those in need. He was described as a man of short stature with iron gray hair, close cropped beard, and light blue eyes that sparkled when he talked. Ira Sankey later wrote, Until a short time before his death, it was not known that he had a poetic, a poetic gift. A neighbor sitting up, sitting up with him in his illness happened upon a manuscript copy of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. 
reading it with great delight and questioning Miss Scriven about it. He said that he had composed it for his mother to comfort her in a time of special sorrow, not intending that anyone else should see it. Sometime later, when another Port Hope neighbor asked him if, he, if it was true he composed the hymn, his reply was, The Lord and I did it between us. On October 10, 1896, Joseph became critically ill. In his delirium, he rose from his bed and staggered outdoors where he fell into a small creek and drowned at the age of 66. His grave was arranged so that his feet were opposite those of his lost love, Eliza Catherine, that at the resurrection they might arise facing one another. As I read that this week and as I looked over and over again, time and time again, of the lyrics of what a friend we have in Jesus, I could not help but think this, church, that the deepest desire of the heart of Jesus is to call you and me his friend. His friend. But can I say this to us? The choice is ours. Think about the friends that we have now, how those friends came about. There had to be a connection in order to create that friendship, did it not? Jesus wants you and me to connect with him this very day, today, right now, in the confines of these four walls. So, is Jesus your friend? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the message. Thank you for this hymn, God, that you used many, many years ago to, to touch many, many hearts and lives back then and even today. Maybe even right now during this time of dedication, someone's heart, someone's life will be touched as we sing together what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.